Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This time I'm bringing you something special, because I recently listened to this lecture and I shared it on my social media accounts, but it was in Russian, so I decided to bring you, in English, Alexander Nevzorov, The Art of Being a Bastard. This is a lecture in the Digital Media Conference in Russia, translated into English by me, Without permissions or claims to the rights, but if Nevzorov will want to sue me, he can bloody well try. However, I have the feeling that he might actually improve instead, because, well, I've been following him for a long while. He's um, one of my personal heroes. This media conference is about how businessmen can be successful, how to be a journalist, how to deal with the media. This is about how true journalists should deal with people of so-called authority. Politicians, clerks, whomever. For me, this lecture represents how one, such as myself, can get real answers from folks who think they're above everyone else. Works for business meetings and public talks as well, and it's very entertaining too. Nevzorov has been a Russian journalist for many years. He's been there since the collapse of the Soviet Union. He's changed sides now and then, even I have to say, but he's one of the very few people in Russia right now who can speak what he thinks openly without persecution, because he's just that good and everyone expects him to just state his mind. Now, I'm not claiming that things Nevzorov says are 100% correct, or even stand by everything he says, but there are some very interesting points here. So, please enjoy, and as always, make your own conclusions. It was very hard, uh, as I didn't translate all of his speech word to word, I translated to meaning to meaning, and secondly, I skipped over a bunch of parts in between in the middle where he answered listener questions, I tried to incorporate them into the speech here. But yeah, this all comes from me spending hours upon hours of YouTube and transcribing things and leaving out all the ums and ahs and everything. So, I hope you will enjoy the end result of what we have here. So, I bring you The Art of Being a Bastard by Alexander Nevzorov. Can you offend me? 
Not only you can, but you must. And let's first agree on one thing. That everything that I say will be accepted by you for ethical, moral, or humanitarian reasons, but as they say, endure. Endure because, I get it, you've come to this event to grab some knowledge in your belt and understand something from the speeches that are provided for you. To grasp them, consume them, and, via some introspection, turn them into something that you might be truly using at some point in the future that might be something truly yours. So endure me, because I will be saying some truly wild things here, and, let's say, some things that will be hard to grasp with your minds. Firstly, and I apologize here, but I have to say that there is nothing more meaningless than coaching. This is just so stupid. And, yeah, I know I'm here in a coaching seminar, and with all due respect to the organizer of this event, I did spend some time to look into what actually coaching was, and I remembered the days of my youth when I was still into horses and horsemanship. And I had a wonderful trainer, Mario Lorashi, a famous French stuntman, and the training was beautiful, and it all happened in an ancient abbey, which he had purchased, and we got a bunch of French actors sent to us, too. That was quite famous at the moment, and, uh... As the first thing, we always ask them, did they really wanted to learn something about equestrianship, or did they just want it to look pretty in the shot? Well, at the beginning, they all said that they wanted to learn, but just after a few lessons, they always admitted that, hey, how about, you know, we just look pretty. And any media coaching that teaches you to respect people, especially your debate opponents, to look pretty, to treat everyone nice, to be polite, in real world, yeah, those things teach you nothing. Because there's an emptiness. Because in place of you, there is an emptiness, nothingness that's polite and nice and cute and acceptable and politically correct. And very often, you can see how in various dinners and press conferences, in shows, which is, by the way, a quite different skill, uh, a skill whose goal is to make sure your discussion partner gets pissed off as much as possible, and the complete end of this showmanship skill on live television is, of course, to make sure that the person you're talking with gets a stroke. Yeah, that's a skill. And that's a separate mastery, which takes a long while to learn, but yeah, in general, that's the thing. That is the largest skill, to not be empty. That is a craft, because sadly we can't make people have strokes on television with the turn of a switch, because some people just don't have the buttons. And when you find someone who can charm you with his speech, then know that it's a craft, just like any other, and it takes training. And for the mastery of this craft, stubbornness, diligence, and rudeness is necessary, and also the willingness to step out the politeness, pressed by their own intelligence that also comes with profession, you know, the willingness to treat those whom you've tasked to interview as fellow human beings. This dehumanization is also a part of the craft, and this craft takes effort, similar to carpentry, for example. This is what people learn and what people can learn. This coaching thing teaches you to be positive and be self-confident, but it doesn't give you any basis for it. Because if this self-confidence isn't based on the qualities that make it possible to work in our journalistic profession, and these qualities being the following, cruelty, shamelessness, ability to beat down the partner of your dialogue, show no mercy for the partner of the dialogue, stab the dialogue partner in the back in the first possible opportunity, and not showing any kindness whatsoever to the person you're talking with, then yeah, without these qualities, your politeness and self-confidence and your nice image that you have crafted for yourself as a meaningful partner of conversation means nothing, because they do not bring anything to the table. They do not reveal the truth. All you are is a polite, 
nice, confident, maybe, but still, piece of crap. You must remember that all of us in serious situations, not like this one, not training ones with a good audience, but instead with a bunch of people who hate you, an audience who hate you, and there are a few tricks as well, by the way, uh, like my students whom I'm really teaching and tormenting, uh, there are things you can do, but you must remember that we are all bastards. We are all bastards deep down, and we want to be right, and we don't want to feel awkward. We are all scum. And the simplest thing that a normal person can and should do, that a human person is able to do, by the way, is to remember the tale of Mowgli. Your eyes should not be like a mammal when you're speaking in front of an audience, but like a snake. Ka, that's looking at its prey. The audience won't care, but if you become the predator, then your voice will start working differently and your tone will improve. And also, the correct amount of saliva will be produced in your mouth, and trust me, this is important, because if you're a good journalist, you will be in situations where your mouth will naturally dry up otherwise. And in those situations, the scary ones, the ones that you speak with people who claim to have authority over you, the fact that you have the right amount of saliva to swallow and actually speak can save your whole career. It can give you the confidence needed to remind those bastards that you are the biggest bastard in the room. Otherwise, you lose your temper, and if you lose your temper, you lose your argument. Having this in your arsenal makes you feel more confident, but this is just a tiny technical advice, really. Because if you haven't beat your discussion partner to a bloody pulp even before you begin the discussion, if you don't have the upper hand already, then this won't help you anyways. But it might just actually make you more confident. So, let's now speak about how to actually win conversations, how to be on top, how to make sure that you, and not the motherfucker whom you're interviewing with, is on top. We're talking about being successful and how to learn the basics of being successful, about where the knowledge lies and picking this hard profession in our hard Russia, and on how to be a good journalist. I mean, you could try to be polite and cute and that's all good, but what's the point? I mean, you can also try to listen to scientists and psychologists with all of their teachings and focus on that for some proven advice, which they say is proven. But I say, and uh, I've got a PhD in biology, that it's utterly pointless for a journalist. Because there is nothing more miserable and uglier and dumber than any smart quotes, than any demonstrations of your so-called superior IQ. That is why don't base your stuff in science. If you're talking with scientists, remember that you're talking with extraordinarily dumb people in many aspects. Let us remember that excellent jewelers aren't supposed to know how to set up traps for rabbits. And the most brilliant quantum mechanics experts don't understand anything about those parts of everyday life that, well, let's just say, you as journalists or businessmen are supposed to understand deeply. As an example, let's turn to my darling, William Karl Heisenberg, who did a lot for the humanity, both in the understanding of Adam, and splitting it, and the quantum theory. Yet, at the same time, this genius, but truly a Nobel laureate, this man lived with the utter conviction that Hitler must have a nuclear weapon, that the Reich must have this weapon to defeat his enemies. At the same time, we can look at another scientist, Schrödinger, you know, with his cat and all, and find out that he also sent deeply psychophantic and praiseful letters to, you know, Hitler. Maybe this only concerns German scientists, or this is about the harshness of the times. Oh no, let's think about Boyle, that same 
British physicist who, with all seriousness, asked ore miners at the time to report him to the exact depth in the Earth crusts where the demons start showing up in their minds. And also the person who discovered that large blood circulation circle personally overwatched witch trials looking for the marks of the devil. That is, everyone makes mistakes all the time. You will, your opponents will. Just make sure you make them pay for it. Just because someone is an expert in something, that expertise doesn't carry itself even the very closest related fields of knowledge. There is no infallibility in looking for a basis in science to be understood, to just taking something into account. For example, like in these days, many engineers start to talk about social problems, or biologists want to speak about, you know, ecology, or, or something like that. Yeah, that doesn't count for shit. That expertise doesn't carry itself even in the very closest related fields of knowledge. Looking for basis in science to be understood, to show that you have more authority than them, to provide quotes from scientists, to show that in a way you have a priority and importance over them in a conversation, or in an article or something, just, you know, picking them out of context, if that is not exactly about that one part of science, is a terrible style. And nobody will invite you to have a fancy term with them anymore. The search for any absolute truth in science is doomed to fail, especially because those same scientists have a tendency to actively state their opinions in other fields, and that makes even their competent views, which only a few will ever read, and trust me, they are utterly boring and mundane, look silly to the general public. So don't do that, and don't presume that just by quoting some scientist, you'll win the debate. You will be boring instead. There is nothing worse than being boring. Your job as a journalist is to be understood, because conveying this understanding, the ability to hold an audience and conveying your message clearly and with some passion is what your profession is about. Remember that every audience member will have their revenge on you for being boring. They will ignore you, they will mishear you, they will disregard you, and they will say whatever they want about whatever you've said. And it doesn't matter if you've said it or not, if you are boring, then they will not remember the parts of your speech, and then, in their own heads, your speech will transfer into their much more interesting speech, which is much more radical, much more crazy, and they will abuse it. Scientists have their thing, okay? But your job is to make sure that what you want to say is smacked into the heads of the audience in the most blatant way, that your argument is heard, that your message is clear. So read other journalists. You know, we smash the same stone after all. And read new journalists. They are the most productive. Being the biggest bastards of them all. That's why they sell well. But the old guys like me, well, at this point my bastardness has grown to insane proportions, obviously. Otherwise you wouldn't have paid to come here to listen to me after all. Being a bastard is what helps a journalist climb a pyramid of a bunch of primate bodies to the top. Or, you know, at least close to that. And while you're young, don't waste your time about it. Climbing is important. And returning to science, I did find an article, a single article from respectable journals, about this whole subject that my lecture is about. It's called The Decline of Sophistication of Public Insults in the Streets of London from 1660 to 1860, published in the British Journal of Psychology in 1993. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border, as always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on Patreon.com. 
Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. That's it for now. See you online. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And that's all that we have in the essence about the hard work of being professionally rude in public. Because, you know, don't compare your possibilities of holding the audience with those of politicians, with those of scientists in conferences. That thing is utterly useless because the politicians have the attention of audience by the quality of their position. As a person who can decide something about their lives as incompetent and boring as and inconsequential as that person might be, those guys somehow just get it by the fact that who they are. And they tend to forget that we, on the other hand, have to do this by scale. Scientists capture the audience because those people who actually are in their audience can understand what they're talking about. And everyone else just pretends to, because it's considered impolite not to, even though every average bystander in the every such conference has only ever thought about when the snack and coffee break will begin. And you know what? I'm not blaming them, because real science is boring. Boring, tedious, and super necessary. However, if you're one of those poor sods whose job it will be to make uh, the so-called popular science articles, I pity you. And remember what I said before, and never, ever directly quote any actual scientific works, because the things that get the Nobel Peace Prize or Nobel Prize of whatever are the most boring things on the planet Earth. To that end, a lot of people have asked me why in my work cabinet, besides portraits of Pavlov and Lomonosov, who are famous Russian scientists, I have portraits of various Native American chiefs, Apache and Comanche to be exact, made from early photographs and the sort. Well, they have also been my teachers, sadly posthumously. They've taught me cruelty, harshness, the ability to ambush and attack unexpectedly. I mean metaphorically, of course. I, of course, mean the art of dispute, debate, interview that you might have with your colleagues, partners, opponents, people whom you interview. It's a discussion and a meeting. You see, a lot of Native Americans lack the words in their language for cowardice or bravery or cheating or other modern terms that we might use describing certain actions. They don't have the judgmental statements about these said actions. They always act according to circumstances with prudence in mind. They always react to the changes in situation, so we have a lot to learn from them. 
And we must always remember that any intellectual debate, any intellectual discussion has something zoological, and trust me, I'm a biologist here, included in this whole thing. And if you want to win those, you'll have to let go of many of your comfortable views that you might have. If you'd rather stick to your comfort zone, to your politeness and your cultural things, then by all means do so, but you will never win or succeed. However, if you'd rather gain some level of freedom of thought, if you'd be able to actually truly think as a free man, if you'd rather win debates, and not only win, but gain some actual benefit, dig down to the truth, then you will have to abandon many things, many parts of what you think make you a human. Because for the truth, for the essence of the matter, for who comes on top, and for where the truth lies, what you are is just not important at all. Identity politics matter little for the truth if anything at all. Remember the story of the emperor that has no clothes. Only by abandoning the politeness and the cultural norms of what is and what isn't polite, of what is and isn't supposed to be said, the truth of sound out of that story. The little boy acted upon his instincts and got to the bottom of the whole thing, and that is what you must do. And it's not pretty. You have to send all sorts of conceptions to the trash forever that make who you are who you are. Your pride, your national pride, your ethnicity, whatever belonging to a group notions you might have, your identity, whatever can harm you, your ideas of what is a proper way of conducting yourself, any methods or means by whom you define yourself except those of your profession. You must be truly and only yourself, and that is a lonely position to have. But if you want to think, if you want To achieve great things, you truly must be not what you are, but what you think, what your ideas are. You do not represent a set of ideas. You have a set of ideas, and that is an important distinction. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be polite, but this is like carrying a knife. I'm not telling you to cut people up who are standing in front of you in the queue. Just remember that if you get rid of everything in your mind the society expects you to be, and you're left alone in your head. And trust me, this isn't easy, and it's not for everybody, and there's a reason why ancient philosophers said being free is difficult. But if you can do this, if you can manage this, if you can not define yourself of outer things, but make sure that you have those outer things and truly possess them, only then, then you will have a tool to use when it's needed. Just remember that you have this freedom. It is possible to have it, and that it can be used. Then, we can finally come down to the most important thing. The most important thing is to always treat yourself with the utmost irony, with a level of uninhibited freedom. Now, all these fairy tales about specialness, individual importance, about how you are unique, and about how your personal differences from everyone else matter. Now, it's all good, of course. But it's better to learn how to mock yourselves. It's better to make a laughing stock of yourself for yourself. Because the next time someone hits you in the most sacred place that you have, he'll hit in the void. In emptiness. Because the sacral body, where it hurts the most to be hit, your pride and ego and arrogance, at that moment, it isn't there. There is only a puppet for fools, but you at the same time are already already an ambush to strike back. Your irony that burns you all the time will be your shield and make sure you feel no pain. And from this position, even if you don't win, you simply cannot lose. 
Because if you hurt yourself the most, if you can burn through all the misconceptions about yourself, about yourself as a whole, then what other thing can they do? Except like in that song about Giordano Bruno, you know, throw another piece of firewood to the fire. Nothing matters if you focus on what's important. And in our profession, what's important is not your ego, or not who wrote the article, but what was in the article. Truth is important. Being honest is important. Not focusing on who tells the story, but what is the story that needs to be told. Stick to that, and even if you're not a journalist, stick to the truth, and forget about your ego. Your ego will only lose you, and your ego is the only thing that is lost if you lose a debate. You will always lose if you fight for your ego, because that's your most vulnerable spot. Delete it, and focus on success. Yeah, so, uh, thank you for listening to this episode. It was shorter than usual, however, it was very work-intensive. And, uh, well, listen to my Christmas special next time and more Stalin episodes. But this speech by Nevzorov is something that I truly cherish and I value, because I'm a huge fan of Hunter S. Thompson as well. And I don't agree to everything he says, but I think that getting rid of assumptions of what you must be And instead of being something, and of focusing, and of dedicating yourself, now that's something that we can all take away from this. Then again, as usual, make your own conclusions. And see you next time, and sorry for this being so short, but, well, translating straight from audio to uh, written English, and then managing sure the script is alright, was way higher than I thought, especially, well... While you're having a cold. So, the Svidenia Tavarishi, and see you next time in our Christmas special. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the Western Border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The eastern border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. 